In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Begin by reading Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, and then Matthew chapter 5, verse, verses 5 to 13. In Hebrews, we read about this incredible, beautiful building, the Jewish temple. It was an extraordinary place, well known throughout the ancient world for its beauty and its splendour. But it was designed in such a way as much to keep people out as to let people in. In the uttermost courts, anybody could enter, and then only men and women who are of the house of Abraham, and then only men, and then only the priests, and then in the Holy of Holies, and only once a year, the high priest could enter, taking with him a bowl full of blood that he offered before the mercy seat to remind God, or rather to ask God, to cover the sins of his people so that they could go away sin-free. Now, that asking God for unity, purity between the people and himself was extremely important. Once one passed by the court of the Gentiles and entered into the court of the women, everybody around you would have been of the same huge extended family, the sons and daughters of Abraham, the children of Israel. And all of those people would have lived in expectation of being able to have a communion meal in heaven with God and with the patriarchs, rather like we find Moses doing in the Old Testament. So this is a really important part of their faith and their understanding of their end. This exclusion of everybody else from the presence of God. Nobody else was going to be invited to this communion meal. And then one day in the streets of Capernaum, God happens to be walking through it. And a centurion, who you have to remember, would have been roundly loathed by the people as a foreigner, an occupier, an oppressor, somebody or other who was not of their religion, not their background, not of the house of Abraham, not a child of Israel, somebody or other claiming precedence over all of these people, he comes along. But he's brave. He goes against social norms. He's loving. He has back at home a servant boy a lad who is ill, not just ill, but paralysed. Not just paralysed, but in terrible, terrible torment because of his paralysis. Grievously, grievously tortured by this paralysis. And without any of the rights of the children of Israel, the sons and daughters of Abraham, he goes right up to God, as it were, 
passing through the court of the Gentiles, passing through the court of the women, passing through the court of the men, passing through the place of sacrifice of the priests, and right into the Holy of Holies, in that street, in Capernaum, directly standing before God and the mercy seat himself. And he asks for mercy. He asks for loving kindness, not for himself, but for his servant boy. And the Lord says, yes, I'll heal him. Let me come with you. He says, no, no, Lord. <laughs> I know myself well enough to know that I'm not worthy, that you should come anywhere near my house, but I recognise your authority because I have authority too. I say, come, and they come, and go, and they go, and you can do the same. And the Lord is thrilled by his faith. Thrilled by it. And he says, you know, in the street in Capernaum, I can tell you that I have not seen anything like this in all the rest of Israel. And the Lord is talking not just the goings on now, but all the way through time as well. Look, this is extraordinary behaviour on the, on the part of this man here. They're going to be sons of the kingdom, children of Israel, sons and daughters of Abraham, who are going to find themselves shut out of the kingdom of God as if they couldn't even get into the court of the Gentiles. Well, this one will walk in, and not just him, but lots of others who show similar faith to this centurion. And that centurion, loathed by the people, his faith is so much greater than theirs. Now we have to remember, because in a way we're in, the, we're in the shoes of those children of Israel, those sons and daughters of Abraham, that there are lots of people that we probably, if we're honest, don't like and think are well beyond the pale of Christianity, who nevertheless show faith, who nevertheless are entering directly into communion with Christ, despite the fact that we think that they get it all wrong. And these people know their humility and they say, no, Lord, I can't come, I can't put myself in that position. But I ask, please, help that one over there. How does this affect me and you? Well, we must never, ever create artificial barriers that prevent other people having direct access to Jesus Christ. We might think we've got it all right, and we might in fact have it all right, but we mustn't make that all rightness freeze other people out, putting up walls and barriers and notice and saying, keep out. You have nothing to do with Jesus. Because Jesus wanders through their streets 
What about us as well? Well, Jesus wanders through my neighborhood and your neighborhood too. The Lord himself, walking through, he enters into Capernaum, he enters into Lincoln, he enters into Seattle, he enters into Sydney, he enters into Christchurch, he enters into Johannesburg, he enters into Moscow, he enters into Beijing, he enters into every city on earth. Not just that, but he also enters into Rorby and Bachlan and little out-of-the-way places that nobody's ever heard, heard of, like Berea in Somalia or, I don't know, Timbuktu. He enters in there and people who recognise him go directly up and say, Lord, please, my little lad at home, my servant boy, is paralysed and in terrible agony. Please do something about him. And if we, like them, humble ourselves, don't insist on the Lord coming into us, but ask honestly, then the Lord himself will, because he can say, come and go as he wishes, he will enter the place of your paralysis and your distress also and make you stand up, upright, as a son or daughter of Abraham, as a child of Israel, able to enter right into the very holy of holies itself alongside Christ and commune with him. Your prayers. God bless you. Amen.